0: What's up, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the 3 and D. am Paul Lombardi, and I'd like to welcome everyone back to the Review and Preview Network for my weekly NBA and college basketball show. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. In tonight's episode, I'm joined by the Brew Party's own Andy Hopper as we'll go over the first two rounds of the tournament and preview the Sweet 16 beginning this upcoming Saturday. So, Andy, how are we doing? Uh, like I told you before the show,
1: I think I could be doing a little bit better. I thought my team would still be alive. Uh, didn't see a first round exit or first weekend exit, not first round exit. Uh, but I'm doing good. It could be better. Uh, gambling on the tournament is going a lot better than anticipated after a rough first round. Uh, but yeah, it's, I'm, I'm good. Uh, the root party's good. I appreciate you having me first, first appearance on three and D I'm now the first person ever to appear on all four review and preview shows so i'd like to take that crown or uh I, I, with pride absolutely yeah, it's a milestone uh, super glad to be here
0: uh paul thank you
1: so much for having me
0: yeah of course anytime uh you got to get like a plaque or something
1: yeah to the tom i expect a
0: plaque in the mail i can send you my address <laughs> oh man okay <laughs> hey, but seriously, though, like the, that Illinois game was was insane. I right. I didn't expect it at all. Um, I Loyola Chicago, you, we learned tonight nev- to never count them out. And you know they have a different team than than they did like three years ago. A somewhat different team. You know, Crutwig and Williamson, as we were talking about before on the show, um, before the show started, that they're back. But I just didn't expect that they were going to pull this off. You know, I was pulling for Illinois too. Um, I was a big a big soon Dusunmu fan this entire season. You know, my favorite player in the country. Yeah, uh, he'll be on to the big show next year, big be, be onto the NBA, and I can't wait to see where he lands there. But you know, you definitely definitely can't you know count it as a as a horrible season. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was there was a lot of success. Underwood is developing a great program there. Uh, they're going to be they're they're going to be great for years to come. I think they're going to start getting consistent five star recruits. They're going to be jumping back into that Big Ten powerhouse. Uh, they this is just the beginning of it. I think honestly, before we, before we start seeing a lot of this stuff going,
1: yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, especially for Illini fans, a great way for us to think about it is this is just the beginning. Uh, you kind of have to go through those bumps in the road. I mean, Iodasudmu said it. In his postgame press conference, you know, this is just another bump in the road, you have to move on to the next step. And I know I saw Adam Miller on Twitter already today with back with his personal trainer getting ready to work. I'm sure Kerbello's doing the same thing. I think these young guys that have shown these flashes of how great they're going to be, uh, are just going to work even harder. And I think next year you're going to see them go to the Sweet 16. Uh, you look at the recruiting class. You already have a guy out of Indiana, a four-star kid, Luke Goody. Uh, you have R.J. Melendez uh, as well. I don't know if I said his name right, but he, he's a scoring wing. Uh, and then you just got a commitment from Reggie Bass, a three-star kid, uh, a three-star guard. That a lot of other Power Five guys, uh, Power Five programs were on for the 2022 class. Now the question is, can you pair that with uh, some grad transfers or transfers that we know are available? Namari Burnett specifically. Do you get a guy like Ty Washington? Also, uh, Podziminski, the number one recruit in Wisconsin, has Illinois uh, in his top three or top four. Like adding a couple more guys will be huge for this team. Does Kofi Colburn come back? You know, the NBA is going to be calling where does he fall in today's NBA? You know, that dominant big, he cannot really step out and shoot the ball. You know, he's struggled, you know, maybe getting the ball out of the paint when there's pressure uh, applied to him. We saw Loyola do that really well. I mean, their defensive game plan was, was great. They obviously were more prepared for Illinois than uh, we were prepared for them, I think. And, you know, it didn't help. Like I said, that we just had an off shooting day. I They credit what Porter Moser. Was able to do like to instill defensively with the, with this team. Like I said they they rotate almost perfectly. They were they weren't missing. They were crashing into the paint as soon as Kofi touched the ball. I mean, I will point out he still put up 21, 21 and nine. So anybody saying that no. you know he had a bad day like that, that yeah, that's not true. That's not true. I mean, Io had nine points. I think about four or five turnovers. Really disappeared. And then what really hurt is Trent Frazier's one for 10 from the field. That that usually doesn't happen. Adam Miller had a great day, 10 points. I thought he could have maybe get more touches. And then next year, that's just, that is more touches. You know, he wasn't really a volume shooter this year, but if you knew anything about him as a recruit, he was putting up 40, 50 point games and he's, a pure shooter from three. So I think him and, you know, Curbello, we saw what he was able to do, like not only passing the ball, but like actually being a viable scoring option down the stretch, you know, at the end of the season. And then in the big 10 tournament, he put up, you know, 16, 17 points but he paired wa- paired that with nine assists and five rebounds. We saw him, what he's been able to do on the defensive end, just an absolute pest going up and snatching the ball from these guys and breaking away for dunk. So I think, like you said, the future is bright. Uh, next year, if we're just talking like quickly, go over like a lineup, what it could potentially look like. I mean, it has, yeah. it has to be Curbelo, Adam Miller. I think you throw Grandison in there for sure. And then is it Georgie or Kofi? Like, does, do they, I don't know. Uh, does Luke goody get any time I think Coleman Hawkins will get a lot of time uh what do they get on the transfer market like I said can do you, do you land a guy like Namari Burnett uh how does that factor in and also with this whole rule that this year doesn't count for anybody's eligibility yeah. I used just to say a guy like DeMonte Williams or a guy like Trent Fraser says hey let's let's go again you know yeah, but, but I I I'm not really sure it all remains to be seen a lot of emotions for these guys. Uh, This weekend, but like hats off. This is the truly the first time since I was like 10 years old that I have been this excited about Illinois basketball. And uh, for just people that don't really know about the program, like it's not just alumni. It's not just the students. When this team is good, there's a buzz around Champaign-Urbana the whole town, yeah. the whole state. It's just different, and it's just something with this team that was historic that you didn't – we haven't felt since D Brown, Darren Williams, James Augustine, uh, the Rev, uh, were walking around this place. So it's – hats off. Io DeSoon was an all-time great uh, for the line. I, he'll go down. Uh, like I said, Trent Frazier the a legend. I'm getting emotional. Just think about it. It's a, it's a, it's a historic team, and it just really – that was yesterday – sucked that was one of the just most heartbreaking losses i think we've had because it's and it's not that i don't didn't see loyola coming in and winning that game i was nervous going in i mean i i went to illinois state i who's in the missouri valley i, I was very yeah. up close and personal with loyola you know even before their run in 2018 they had very good teams uh when i was still in school at illinois state and you know just from following basketball porter Moser is a great coach man they're they're allowing 55 points a game you just don't and it's see, ridiculous you, you just don't see that I think they're set up to go to the final four I think they're gonna I think they're gonna win this region and I mean if I'm Indiana I'm on the phone with Porter Moser as soon as possible. Oh, yeah.
0: And the, and I think the only job that he can leave Loyola Chicago for is Indiana because you can have like a DePaul or a Marquette or something that calls him up why would you leave Loyola Chicago he's from Chicago too uh, there's, I, there's just, I I think if he were to go from Loyola to DePaul it'd be a lateral move that's just No, me. yeah, definitely. It's like today um the Eastern Washington head coach just took the Portland job. Which, (laughs) which I thought was, which is a weird move because it's like, that's, that's going in the wrong direction. I mean, Portland is in uh, Gonzaga's conference. They're in the WCC and they're never competitive. You know, they, they, and like Eastern Washington, not that Eastern Washington is a powerhouse, but you know, you could think that, especially since they gave Kansas some work in the first round, uh, that he would actually be up for a bigger job than that. So uh, he must be from Portland or from Oregon. There must be some type of story that I don't know, uh about you know, that. But what conferences weird.
1: do they play in? Do you know off the top of there, off the top of your head? Isn't isn't Eastern Washington like the Big
0: Sky? Is it is Portland you, in the is Portland in the WCC? Po- I know Portland's in the WCC. They're in what- conference. Maybe it has got to be why
1: that's got to be why probably a pay raise. But I, yeah, I understand that uh, like you just had, we just talked about him. The, the gross brothers just went off. Yeah. Like the a- Abe Lincoln looking guy hanging 36 on the Jayhawks. And then his brother had like 24, uh, but they were quite a, a duo. That's definitely crazy. But you know, in college basketball, it's, it's all about the money and what's what's next and what the next step is. Um but yeah for Illinois I think the future's bright. I I don't know if it's a one seed next year. I don't I yeah. don't know. Um tough to tell. You can I, I think this this loss leaves a bad taste in their mouth. Especially Brad Underwood's mouth. We know how fiery he can be as a coach, but I mean he said it himself in a post game press conference, you know, we I mean, I, I'm very, very proud of this group. I've grown very, very pr- fond of this group. I'll have great memories. And, you know, we brought relevancy back to Illinois basketball. That's what he was hired to do. That's what he yeah. wanted to do, and they achieved it. You know, Big Ten champions, the real Big Ten champions. I still will the claim big- that. Yeah, um, they, are. they were. There were. Iodisumu. you know, historic numbers. Kofi Coburn, historic numbers. Uh, you know, just what they were able to – even the bench guys – The role players, DeMonte Williams, Georgie, Trent Frazier, being able to buy into their roles. Trent Frazier came in as a freshman, was the leading scorer, was the go-to guy. Fast-track four years, he's now, in my opinion, the best defensive guard in the Big Ten, if not not defender, on ball. Uh, And then DeMonte Williams just will do whatever you ask of him. Uh, he's going to dive on the floor. He'll play a hard defense. He'll rebound the ball. And then, oh, yeah, he's going to shoot 55% from from beyond the three-point line. Yeah, uh, it was ridiculous. Georgie Bichanisvili goes from, again, the go-to guy down low his freshman year to trying to figure out what the hell his role in this team is uh, last year to figuring it out and being that mainstay on the bench that can come in and give you minutes when Kofi cannot, when, he's on, when he needs a break. Or he's in foul trouble, and it's just it's just great. And then what Georgie's been able to do uh, to help Kofi grow as a player has been incredible, and just his positive outlook on life and on this team is is infectious or amazing, as Kofi and Georgie would say. If you uh, caught that press conference after the Big Ten Championship, so yeah. future's bright. I think Luke Goody is a knockdown shooter. I think that's what they need to do, get a few more shooters, and then especially if you get Kofi back for one more year, like you have ball, uh, high ball screens pick and roll with him and Curbelo. You let Curbelo drive, and then if you have three guys, like even, I mean, Grandison can shoot, Miller can shoot. So I guess I don't even know if they need more shooters, but I think more shooters are already on the way with a guy like Luke Goody, and then I'm forgetting uh, a guy like Austin Hutcherson. Uh, a D3 yeah. guy who shot over 40% from three, got hurt, missed this whole year. He was supposed to uh, play, so he's actually been out for the past two years. He'll be back next year, so I think this is still going to be a very scary team. Uh, it's going to hurt that Io's not there, but yeah. I, I think Adam Miller just steps right into that role, and then Curbelo is as, as well. It, it, they're in good hands. They're in good hands.
0: I yeah, I definitely agree with that. I and I personally think that I is going to be the only one gone. I feel like if you're Frazier, you gotta come back for another year. Um there's nothing really pushing him unless he's, you know, like really wants to go through the G League route and, you know, potentially try to make it into the NBA. And Coburn's still got a ton of work to do, you know. I i uh, i like coburn a lot i think he's got a lot of raw potential uh i think he can even be a potential first round pick but he's got he's got a ton of work to do and now since you get the free year this year he's got three years left of eligibility he should not come out this year if he comes out this year he's going to be a a mid to late second round pick and he's going to be playing and he's going to be playing the g league for two three years uh on somebody's roster before he even gets a shot of playing the nba so he might as well go back to school um he's got a he's got a develop his stamina a little bit he was getting he was getting pushed around a bit by Crowick. he he had a good game but he was getting he was getting a little bit worn out uh and, and then it was i
1: mean i yeah, think was, that speaks i think that speaks to how just awesome Crowick crudwick is and how much oh yeah proud. I think Kofi could have a similar trajectory, obviously not with they're not going to be using him, you know, in the pick and roll as in a joke, way like Krutwig Krut was, you know, directing the offense and make like those those guys that were cutting the basket. He was hitting them on a dime every time they were open every time. I don't see Kofi going that way, but I can see him developing that way, getting that more veteran presence and, you know, He wouldn't be number two next year. He's number one. He's the guy that they would go to. And I talked to on on my last episode of the brew party. I talked to Dion Thomas, uh, who actually does color commentary for the Illini now on the radio broadcast. He's the all time leading scorer in university of Illinois history. So he he knows a little bit about, about the game. He was a four year player and then went over and won, I think like three or four championships uh, in Europe in Israel and stuff like that. But he said the biggest thing with Kofi is this year, okay, we saw his, his feet, like he's got those under him. His footwork is a lot better next year. He also agrees. He says, uh, not even for just the team, but for Kofi, it's going to help his development a whole lot more. If he comes back and he becomes be, is the focal point in the line? Illini offense or exactly like what you just said, go the second round pick, sit on the bench somewhere or go be in the G league. And just, I don't know. I think one more year doesn't hurt him. I think you take yeah, the page no. out.
0: Of, I think you take the page out of IO's playbook here and, and come back for year three because if IO came out last year I mean he was potentially going to be a first round pick last year and he decided to go back he was like on the he was on the edge of being a first round pick most had him in the second right. round but he was like he could have taken the gamble of uh of trying to come out and try to become a late first round pick but he decided to come back and is a player of the year candidate and now is going to be pushing for a lottery pick in this year's draft so that that's I completely agree with that I think Kofi um it's got to come back. And, you know, speaking of Crudwig, that, that brings us right into the next point. The The biggest shocks the first two rounds. I mean, Loyola Chicago is unbelievable. Crudwig is just a smart player, though, too. It's yeah. like you got to give him a ton of credit. Uh, I, I really thought Illinois was going to win that game. But Crudwig, Crudwig is a bull. You know he knows what he's doing. Will uh, Williamson is a great player. He's re- he's really athletic, and they're just so well coached. Like you were saying it before, mm-hmm. like Moser is just an amazing head coach. Their ball movement is sick. They put play great defense. They always may end up making the big plays. Like they just they're completely locked in, and yeah. for them to make it to the Final Four is not a, is not a far far fetched idea at all.
1: I believe they were vastly under I don't think this team is an eight seed. I think they're a lot better. Tom Tom texted me the night before the game and said, Loyola Chicago is not your typical eight seed. And I'm like, you don't need to tell yeah. me that. Like, I know that better than anybody. Like, I was nervous for this game. I would have rather played Georgia Tech in the second round
0: oh, uh, than, than
1: Loyola. Obviously, you have the storyline of, you know, the, the big-time school, the big Illinois against the small— Catholic school from Chicago but you know I mean credit the Ramblers they're they're incredible I have them I think they're going to go to the final four obviously had Illinois in the final four and uh, as my champions before this uh, tournament started but just what they've been able to do is impressive and it's about runs and it's going to be hard for teams uh, with the lack of preparation time to prepare for that defense and what they were able to do and then you talked about Crowtwood. I mean 19 points. I think he had five assists and what 12 boards maybe, but then you know, yeah. two two steals to seal the game. He's a unicorn out there. Uh it's yeah. just just weird. <laughs> not and not weird that he's so good, just I guess because he's a weird looking dude. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect, <laughs> exactly you wouldn't expect him to uh be such a baller out there. But yeah, he's actually uh he's from Algonquin. Uh,
0: I have family that lives in Algonquin, so shout out Algonquin, Illinois. Oh, that's pretty sick, actually. So he's from the, so he's from the same town. I know you would see that dude walking down the street. You would not think he's the star player for Loyola Chicago's basketball yeah, team uh, by by any means. But he he can ball, and just like you were saying, nineteen points, twelve rebounds, five assists against Illinois. Um, yeah. And then Williamson had twenty one points against Georgia Tech. Uh, they, they're just, they're a good team and they're deep and, you know, they there was reason why they were ranked a lot this year. You know, they didn't play a, a very tight out of conference schedule where they like stacked up against like all the, the top 25 teams, but they still got in the top 25 because they were rolling through their conference, I destroying mean, everybody. And they yeah. had a strong, te- they had a strong uh. Overall team, basically,
1: right? They uh, the like the analytically, like the the computers loved them. They were like, oh top, yeah, yeah. They were like a top ten net ranked team, like almost all year. Ken Palm as well. Like yeah. this is a very good basketball team. So let's not. I think the narrative isn't that Illinois choked this away. I think it's that Loyola is a damn good team.
0: Oh, and without Lo- a
1: doubt, Loyola deserved to be there, and you know, especially I think own storyline to watch with these mid major teams is you, you got to think these guys have a chip on their shoulder. They're going up against these schools that, you know, obviously not all of them told them, you know, they're not, you're not good enough Or like some of these guys have to tell them like, Oh, these, these schools passed on me. I'm playing in the Missouri Valley or I'm playing in the summit league or the Ohio Valley, what have you. I think that's a big part of it as well. And then, you know we talked to the biggest shocks i mean oral roberts max exactly, Acemus, and kyle obanner or uh is it Ky- i don't know if it's kyle obanner but it, it, obanner yeah, I, they're in, yeah. they're in, they're incredible uh you know Acemus leading the the nation in scoring outscoring Luda yeah. Garza, uh, kevin and, uh kevin obanner kevin obanner yeah. kevin i had the i had the k right yeah the k uh, was
0: close enough Seems probably fun. I
1: was, you know what I was probably thinking of our guy Kyle Russo. Uh, <laughs> there you go, exactly. Shout out s- Kyle
0: Russo. I'm sure
1: he uh, shoots it just as well as O'Banner does. But you know what they're able to do offensively, like they take more threes, I think, than anybody. And that's kind of what basketball was become. And then like when they played Ohio State, you know what Ohio State doesn't do well is play defense, but they're so versatile offensively. You kind of knew going in it was going to be a shootout. Uh, but then you just can't let Asmus get hot, and then if yeah. you have an answer for him, oh look, here's O'Banner. Uh, yeah. so I don't know. Exactly. I, I think they were they were a surprise. I I didn't know if they were gonna uh beat Florida. They they pulled that one out. I you know win or lose in the Sweet 16. Hats off to oh, uh, the yeah. go, the
0: Golden Eagles um, from Oral Roberts, man. Yeah, they're the only set. They're second ever 15 seed to even make it to the Sweet 16. Obviously, uh, remember like remember eight years ago, Dunk City in Florida, Gulf Coast. Uh, yeah, they're the they're the only other 15 seed to make it to the Sweet 16. And you know the Oral Roberts, you know they picked off Ohio and Florida, Ohio State and Florida, I should say, O'Banner had ridiculous games, 30 points, 11 rebounds versus Ohio state and 28 points, 11 rebounds versus Florida. And Abness, uh had 29 points and 26 points in those two games. Uh, those two guys are beasts. And, you know, it's, it, this is one of the most beautiful things about March madness is that the, a team like oral Roberts that will never be on ESPN. And they even, Big, big college basketball fans know nothing about them. You, they get put in the spotlight, and they pick off a couple of these teams, and you're just like, "Wow, like these guys can ball!" And then you remember these guys' names for the rest of your life. I mean, like they're they make a name for themselves because at the bottom, the bottom line is, you know, whether you're on Oral Roberts or you're on, you know, Michigan, there's a big difference in talent, but you're both you're both Division One basketball players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you go, you go head to head and anybody can pull it out, it's a dogfight. And especially in a neutral setting, like March Madness always is, even though this year's is a little bit different with, you know, the, with a uh, neutral, neutral setting and, you know, limited fans and all that stuff. But there's always a neutral setting for March Madness. It's, it's a pure dogfight. So whoever can, you know, can play the best basketball is what it really comes down to, and it just seems like a basic thing to say, but that's that's really what it is. We saw that in the Illinois versus Loyola Chicago game. Loyola, Loyola Chicago just played had the right game plan, and Illinois did not know how to had didn't know how to answer to it. And the same thing with Oral Roberts too. Florida, you know, they rallied back at the end, but Florida wasn't able to uh, to hold them off, and Ohio State just was not ready for it.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I think there is there is some type of element of surprise that these that these teams have, because I'm sure, you know, these video departments are scouring tape and trying to find as much as they can. But, you know, there there has to be a little bit less tape on these guys if they're not playing on the biggest stage uh, throughout the year. And, you know, you probably just don't know as much as you would if you're going up against a team from the power five. But yeah, I mean other shocks, gosh. I mean Eastern Washington giving Kansas a really good game. I know we kind of mentioned that earlier. Yeah. Who, who else won? Uh Oregon. Was, State was a big one or, for me. Oregon State. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that run they had in the Pac twelve tournament. And then I actually I picked them to beat Tennessee because Tennessee was kind of slumping that was, that was to a good call year. It kind of slumping yeah. to end the year. And you know, I just I thought, you know, at some point, this it's like a game of momentum. It's a game of runs. What team can get hot at the right time? Uh, that goes for during the game. Like we've seen, a lot of teams go through these three minute, five minute scoring droughts. Like in these tournament environments, you, you just can't have that uh, happen. Yeah. I mean, what especially if if this was a full crowd, fans going crazy. Like I think we would see a lot more blowouts than we have. I mean, I say that now, but we just saw Abilene Christian lose by like twenty. Uh, I think that just ended a few minutes ago. Um, yeah. But, so they're advancing. They are. Uh, Creighton goes Creighton's advancing to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, but yeah, Abilene Christian's game over Texas has maybe the game of the tournament.
0: I think so. Uh, so that, far, that was the. Sh- that was the biggest shock because the thing is like a lot of these other upsets, you know, they were talking about all the analysts were talking about um, if a 15 seed is going to be a two seed, it's going to be oral Roberts that wins. And a lot of these were somewhat predicted, you know, they had Ohio. A lot of the people had Ohio on upset watch, you know, they had, uh, but they, some, some even had Oregon state, but that was the biggest surprise of the entire tournament is Abilene Christian. Cause I don't think anybody anybody expected Abilene Christian to beat Texas. I had Texas in my final four because Texas was rolling. Texas mm-hmm. has such a good team and Abilene Christian's not necessarily like a great team either. You know, it compared to a lot of the other mid majors, you know, they ended up getting a 14 seed, which uh, probably should have been given to Oral Roberts instead of them. But
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And so, I mean, the Ohio win, I don't think that was very surprising to me and that's coming, you know, I saw Ohio give Illinois yeah. a game almost beat them in Champagne with Dr- Jason Preston going head to head with Iota Sumu almost outplaying him. You can make the argument that he did, uh really stepping onto the national scene, you know, getting his story out there. Um but yeah, so I don't know if I call that one a surprise, especially after the Virginia COVID pause and like the uncertainty there. Um yeah, of course. I mean I guess, but I mean, it's still, it's a 13 over a four. I thought UCSB mm-hmm. had a really good chance of beating Creighton in the first round. I had them um, as an
0: upset. Yeah, for sure.
1: Absolutely. Then, you know, Colgate gave Arkansas a game for, you know, three-fourths of the game. Yeah. Uh, a surprise for me was, was Wisconsin and how well they played in the first round, actually, against North Carolina. I had the Tar Heels winning that game. I thought yeah. Garrison Brooks and... uh Armando I don't know how Baycott. to say it. Baycott. Yeah. Baycott, there I you go. we're going to be too much, but it goes down. I think it comes down to Dimitri Trice and that backcourt just having the experience and being better. Uh I think if you had to pick between you know the guards or the bigs being more experienced when it comes to March Madness, I think give me the experienced guard every time.
0: Oh, without a doubt, guards. Guards are take over, as Kenny the Jet Smith says. You know, guards. Guards take over the game of basketball. It's got a specific quote. I don't remember off the top of my head, but something like that. He's a little biased to guards, you know, since he was a guard himself. But it's true, though. Like guards take over the game, and that's exactly what we saw. And there was a lot of, I mean, just to say, a biggest shock of the first two rounds is an understatement because there were so many. Like I, I thought that I thought even like when you're talking about the big seeds, I didn't think for Virginia was going to make it that far, um, just because of you know their COVID shutdowns and a little bit inconsistent. You know they won the ACC again this year, but I thought they might they were a candidate to get picked off, and Villanova too. You know I'll give it to Villanova. They're headed to the Sweet 16. I didn't necessarily expect that. You know I thought mm-hmm. that Ohio, I thought that uh no not Ohio, um I thought that Winthrop had a huge chance of upsetting them. I actually had Winthrop in the sweet 16. Uh, that was like my big upset pick because I really liked, I really liked what Winthrop was doing, uh, throughout the season. Only had one loss the entire year, but credit to them. Cause Gillespie's out. Um, and they, who is their star player and they're they still able to figure it out. You know, some of these big teams were doing that. And then, you know, we saw, as we were talking about before, we saw Iowa today. um, get knocked off to Oregon. So, you know, Oregon's another big shock team because no one's really paying, been paying attention to the PAC 12 this year because they weren't mathematically that great. They didn't have many top 25 teams, you know, USC, Colorado, they were in and out of the top 25 Oregon all, all season long. Like no one was really consistent uh, besides, besides kind of USC, but they're, they come out to play. They're undefeated now in the tournament. And, you know, USC, is gonna play on play later today against Kansas, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And uh that's gonna be an interesting game. I'm actually I'm really excited for that game because Evan Mobley's gonna be is gonna be a stud. He's gonna to be a top five pick. Uh yeah. I think I did not
1: know what to expect from Villanova. You know, like you said, you you lose a guy like Gillespie, the experience he has uh with this team. And then, you know, like Tom's comment there, Archie diacono stepped up big. The younger Archie Diacano didn't even know there was another one. Um yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, Winthrop.
0: I don't, I don't know about them going to the Sweet Sixteen, but that's a bold pick. Um, <laughs> it for, was it was a bold sure. pick. I pulled that one out. I because I knew it was going to be a wild tournament, so I knew I had to pull out. You know, a couple of them. I like this to right here: Syracuse, Loyola, Chicago, Elite Eight matchup. I could totally see that happening. Syracuse, I didn't mention either. Syracuse was ridiculous. Buddy Bayhams turning into some player. He he really is. He's put in the narrative that, you know, he's just on the team because of his dad completely to bed. Um, that dude can ball. Everyone on the team loves him. He is a knockdown shooter and, and they're they're absolutely rolling. And I think that they I think they might make it to the Elite Eight. Yeah, honestly. that
1: was the, that was the other team that I, I wanted to mention. Didn't see them uh, going anywhere, actually pick San Diego State to beat them. Because uh, I really like what they did in the Mountain West this year, but I guess that shows how hard it is to prepare for that two-three zone. And just Beheim always has success; they always seem to be there in March. And yeah, yeah, I do think they are set up to go to the Elite Eight. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. And then Buddy Beheim has been another one of those names that has kind of come to the forefront uh, in this
0: tournament. We're just five years removed from you know their amazing run to the Final Four. And when they were, everyone counted them out, they weren't even supposed to make the tournament Then they made it to the final four this year. Again, they, you know, lost in the ACC tournament. They weren't, they were on the bubble to even make the tournament. They got in and they're in the sweet 16 and potentially going to be pushing for an elite eight. So it's, it, it is, it's pretty crazy. Like it's pretty insane. Um, There's just going to be a lot of those. It'll be interesting to see what Oral Roberts does too. Um, There's going to be this year's final four is going to be like next to unpredictable, uh, except for Gonzaga, you know, watching that Gonzaga game today. Uh, we'll go back to that in a second. Archie Diakno has stepped up big and you should know a thing or two about his older brother, Brian Archie Diakno plays for the, your Chicago bulls. Yeah. He has bad hair, but he's all right. That's (laughs) that's true. That's true. I agree with that, but yeah, so, (laughs) so, um, yeah, I uh, I think that's um it's it's gonna be interesting. Uh Gonzaga even after uh the game today. I think, like, they're still the team to beat. You know, Baylor is so tough, too. Like, even watching their game, um, they completely destroyed Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin was never even in it from the beginning. They mm-hmm. they pulled away from it. Uh, those, I mean, you know, all season long, we were saying Gonzaga and Baylor are the top two teams in the nation. And then we threw Illinois in there, and then we threw Michigan in there, and then we threw some other names in there, and then we threw Iowa around a little bit. And now all these teams are knocked out and Gonzaga and Baylor are still standing. And yeah. once again, it goes to prove what we thought at the beginning of the season, Baylor is the best defensive team in the nation. Gonzaga is the best offensive team in the nation. And I, I'm telling you, that would be some national championship. That's yeah. Uh, even though I would love to see one of these Cinderella stories as a basketball fan, that would be, that would be one sick game. It would be the game we were robbed of before. Uh, also you know,
1: live Update on the show: Ben Vanderplas on Ohio just went Zion. And he just broke his shoe, completely busted through his shoe uh, in his game versus Creighton. He just put on another one that's a different color. So he's got different color shoes coming back on uh, to the court. That was crazy. Uh, what kind of shoes were they? Adidas. There's Adidas this time. Ah. It was it's it's not the the Nikes a, again. So hot seat Adidas, cool thrown Nikes. I I, I guess. Um, yeah. Adidas is going to have to look into that now with that show, yeah. but yeah, I think you you nailed it though. Gonzaga, they end up what winning by sixteen against Oklahoma. Oklahoma kind of made it close. Reeves is a really good player for them, yeah. uh, but that they just had they're so sound as a team. Like offensively, yes, but then. They're able to guard actually really well. Drew Timmy is able to hold his own in the paint. I mean, Kispert's 6'7", really long on the wing, can guard multiple positions. And then you talk about what Jalen Suggs has been able to do as a freshman. has just been incredible. Mark Fuse, another guy you put up there, is just one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, no question about that. Um, but then, then on the Baylor side of the ball... I think they're great. You know, it's just, what are you going to, you you have to guard Mitchell, you have to guard Teague, or, or you have to guard Butler, pick one of them. And they got guys yeah. off the bench that can also hurt you as well. So I think they're, they're on their way. Both of those teams, I, I think it would be very fun to see them in the national championship. But with the way this tournament has gone, you really never know what's going to happen. I, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised to, if we get a higher seed uh, in the tournament. I don't know about double digit, but I think Loyola yeah. has a very good chance of making it there. And uh you just never know what's going to happen at this at this point. UCLA uh has advanced to the Sweet Six team. Uh, I mean, good for UCLA. I feel like it's been a while since they've been like relevant as a
0: basketball program as well. Yeah. Uh, like the Pac- since the since the Lonzo days really. It was the last time they had a deep a really good team. Right. The Pac-12, I think
1: 8 or 9 and 0 oh now in the no. tournament, just who saw that coming. And then, you know, the big 10, it's just, I don't know if we say a black eye on the big 10, they just really don't look good. You know, no. for all this talk all year, they were like, all right, we're the best conference. We're the best conference in the country. It's going to be another year. I mean, depending on what Michigan is, does, they are losing right now uh, to yeah. LSU, but we could be all gone like another year without champion from the big 10 and then like a could be the first weekend of March Madness and all big 10 teams could be gone uh which is ridiculous it's just I think I saw a take on Twitter um from Jeremy Warner who who's a local sports writer around here covers Illinois he's really 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 good uh he, he was like hot take The Big Ten is still a very good conference that just had a really bad week, and I think that can be true too. Like, I think that's totally true. Sometimes you just have an off week. I guess the whole conference did. A lot of the times, they're just not good matchups that you're not prepared
0: for uh, in a tournament setting like this. So, I'm, I mean, Loyola Chicago is a tough, a tough team to be matched up in the same uh, bracket with to be in the same division with, especially as an 8 or 9 seed like that. Illinois was really just dealt a tough hand because if they got any of the other 8 or 9 – if they got any of the other 8 or 9 seeds, if they played like a Wisconsin or North Carolina and Oklahoma or something like that, I don't think they have a problem with winning. I think that Loyola Chicago was just a different breed and just came out firing too. You know, I certain matchups for sure.
1: And then Oregon, what they were able to do to uh, Iowa was impressive – how they were just kind of able to decide that they want to play with pace. They're like, I think I mentioned it before. They're almost like ranked like 300th in the country in pace, uh, and and they scored 95 points against the Hawkeyes today. That goes to speak uh, on how bad Iowa is defensively, and they've that's just kind of been their philosophy the past couple of years. Like we'll just try to outshoot you and outscore you, and yeah. and not really play defense. And that's just not going to work, especially in a tournament setting. Like and Big Ten teams kind of figure that out. Throughout the year, it's like okay, you let Garza get his, and see if Wise, Bohanan, Bohannon, or, or the like will can beat you. And today exactly. they couldn't. Uh, Bohannon scored n- no points. I don't. I don't think Frederick scored, and I don't know if it was McCaffrey was the other starter that didn't score. But three of their yeah. five starters did not. But they scored 80 points and they got blown out. Like that, you yeah, don't see that you don't see that happen a lot. Oregon is another team. Like I said about loyal, I think they're underseeded. Like they're a 20 win. They we're like 20 and four in the Pac 12. Who now apparently is the Super Conference in the tournament? Uh, you know exactly. I think if if Oregon would have won the Pac 12 tournament, or like maybe at least not had that just stinker performance against Oregon State, they would have been higher than a seven. But I do think Oregon was a little under-seeded there. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Iowa probably didn't get dealt a very good hand having to play the Ducks in the second round. Uh, But then again, you didn't know what you were going to get. It was 10 days uh, since uh, Oregon's last game. Uh, And, you know, they they had that no contest with VCU to advance. Uh, You know, were they going to be a little rusty? It was that rest versus rust factor. And then, you know, ended up working out. It's just the, those 11 a.m. games, man, they, they just,
0: they, they creep up on you. I, they do. I know. And it's like, and that's exactly what you were saying. The, uh, the canceled game. You have no idea how they were going to come out and perform today. Oregon could have came out and just got their, get, got to run off the court basically. Um, but it's, they, they came out instead and were on fire and it was, it was insane. Uh, they they're looking good. Pac-12, every, all the Pac-12 teams are looking very solid. Um, they got they were underseeded due to their COVID pauses. Agree with that. Definitely agree with that. Um, that's that's basically what the case was. They're like they were a seven seed and they deserve to be much higher. I think Oregon is going to the elite eight. They very well might be. They Oregon's tough. You know they're they're a good team and they were overlooked a bit because the Pac-12 it wasn't extremely deep this year, uh, but I think that I think that that's true and I think that they're going to go, um, I think they're going to go to at least the elite eight, uh, and you know we'll see from there. So next up, we've got. Four games scheduled for Saturday, so we can go over as the last segment. We can go over each of the four games too, give our thoughts, give who we think is going to win the games. Obviously, the Sunday slate hasn't been settled yet because of the games that are ongoing today. Gonzaga and Oregon one. Um, that's UCLA. all. That's all we. UCLA one. Uh, UCLA one. Uh, yeah.
1: Creighton and is Cre- like fifteen with or no thirteen with ten minutes. So
0: yeah. So most likely you never know but those we have our matchups and we have our times set for Saturday so so we can go through those um the first game we got as we were alluding to number 12 Oregon State versus number 8 Loyal to Chicago Saturday at 2:40 uh this is going to be a good game you know these are two sleeper teams that we were just talking about uh i i think that this this is going to be actually like a really fun one to watch because this can this is going to be a battle to the end i i would take Loyola chicago though because yeah i i think that they're they're almost unbeatable uh at this point against teams like this you know if you put them up against like some of the bigger schools there it's going to be tougher but especially coming off a win against illinois they're their egos are high. They're they're going to take care of Oregon State.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you picked the Ramblers here. That's, that's the question for me with these teams that are kind of on these, you know, Cinderella runs. I guess you could say both of them are, you know, with the, the eight seed knocking off the one. And then, you know, Oregon State's run in the PAC 12 tournament. And then now to the sweet 16 for the first time for that program. And God knows how long. Um Yeah. I just, I, when do they run out of gas is, I guess is what I'm going to say. And I think yeah. against a team that is so stifling on the defensive end, like Loyola, this is the game that happens uh, yeah. to, to be Loyola, I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be on your game. Like you can't be missing shots. Like the line. I are, uh, you, you, you have to be able to play that slow half court uh, game with them, or you have to try to push the pace, push the pace and play fast and see uh, if you can beat them, if if they'll even allow you to push the pace. So I think Loyola is going to try to con- control the game, go through Crutwig Kr- again uh, and and see uh, if they can stop it. But I, I, I do think Loyola goes to the Elite Eight, uh, and I actually like them to go to the Final Four, actually.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that move. And then the next game, we got number 5 Villanova versus number 1 Baylor Saturday at 5:15. Uh this is going to be an, another great one. We're really we've really got some slate on Saturday. It's going to be sick all day long, but this is going to be a good game. Um I feel like Baylor is 100% going to win this. I I think it'll be a close one though. Uh, i think villanova is just too undermanned right now to be able to do that gillespie i mean they've surprised me already winning two games you know making it to the sweet 16 you know they've i thought that they were going to get picked off at some point in these these next two games but you know the villanova's been through so much adversity this year they had so many they had such a long covet issue shut them down for about a month and gillespie went down um they're they're it's going to be a big task for them to beat Baylor. Baylor was absolutely locked in. We saw that against Wisconsin. Uh, Macy Oteague is an unbelievable score. Uh, Davion Mitchell is up for, was up for Defensive Player of the Year in the nation. Honestly, like he that's that's how good of a defensive player that he's become. Uh, Jared Butler was up for Big Twelve Player of the Year. Uh, ended up losing that to Kate Cunningham. You know, there's not much to not much to say about Baylor besides that we haven't been saying all season. Besides how dominant they are, so I would I would take that one.
1: Yeah, I think for the question for Villanova is, what are you getting from Jeremiah Robinson Earl in this game? Can he carry yeah. you? And he's going to have to carry you in a big way. You know, Villanova really hasn't had a close game in this tournament yet they, you know they beat winthrop by 10 it was wasn't really that close though you know and then they absolutely yeah they just,
0: they had control the entire game
1: they, it they was never they, they dismantled north texas yeah. uh what is what are you gonna do against the big boys at baylor here though i think scott drew is just incredible i think this is what the sixth Sweet 16 that he's taken Baylor to since, like, 2010. Yeah, So, I mean, that's pretty impressive, and I, I like that pick to take Baylor here. I mean, obviously, they're the favorite, but, I, I mean, they're, they're going to be the favorite for a reason. Villanova, I mean, you never count out Jay Wright. I think it's going to be a closer game. I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. Uh, if J, if uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl can get his, uh, I think Villanova can keep it close, but i I, I take Baylor to win this game.
0: Yeah, that's definitely the X Factor. Robinson is a great player. It's always difficult to count Jay Wright out, but what that Baylor program has done this year is amazing. I just don't see them not making it to the Elite Eight. And then the yeah. final four, and honestly, with Illinois out the national championship, most likely. And then third of the four games, we got number 15, Oral Roberts, versus number three, Arkansas, Saturday at 725. This is this one's going to be interesting because Oral Roberts has beating up on some good talent this year and Arkansas has got some great talent, but they do have their flaws and, you know, they almost lost to Texas tech as we were talking about before the show um, this weekend, they probably should have lost honestly. And I think that if they don't come out strong, Oral Roberts is going to sneak up on them. This is this is this might be the first ever time we see a 15 c make it to the elite eight. It's gonna it's gonna be I I would take Oral Roberts in this game. I'm gonna roll with Oral Roberts. Say that another upset is brewing for them just to take one at least one upset for this weekend, and I'll, I'll go with that. Taking the Golden Eagles, Asmus and O'Banner. So Arkansas and Oral Roberts
1: played earlier this season. Arkansas won by nine points. Uh, but it was a little bit closer than the nine points indicated. Or are you hung around the whole game, calling it a revenge game in the tournament? They're getting their second shot at the big boys. That doesn't happen a lot for teams like this, but they're yeah. on this Cinderella run. Uh, the question for Oral Roberts is how do you deal with uh, Arkansas's size? Because they have a lot of that. You're talking about Justin Smith. Girl the Indiana transfer. And then, I mean, Moses Moody, what he's been able to do as a freshman guard has been incredible. Uh, you know, yeah. these guys have experience. They're grad transfers. It's like, well, it's weird. Arkansas's roster is, you know, they're a mix of grad transfers and they have four freshmen. I think maybe one or two returning guys, but I mean, this is what uh muscleman does. He looks yeah. at these, he looks at these transfers like free agents in the NBA. He says, mm-hmm. I can take this freshman I don't like, which you're taking more of a chance on, or I take this guy that played in the Mac that shoots 40% from three. I know that's going to translate over. Uh, There's more of a body of work and, you know, his approach, you know, recruiting and kind of building a college team has been very interesting. And I think one that other coaches are starting to model because it's, it's starting to work. So I think oral Roberts is going to have their hands full with Arkansas um but I, I mean I would love to see the Golden Eagles uh win this game I think they're gonna have a chip on their shoulder like I mentioned earlier obviously you know being that smaller school and then you know they've seen this Arkansas team once before and if you're Ar- yeah. if, if you're on the Arkansas side of the ball do you you have to like not overlook these guys you're like okay yeah we beat them by nine we handled them earlier in the season obviously this is a different team at this point. Um, so I'd be curious. I think this is going to be a great matchup. I think it, it can go one of two ways or, you know, one of three ways. I say Oral Roberts wins really close one. Arkansas wins a really close one or Arkansas blows them out. I think, I think there's like not really an in-between. Um,
0: yeah, I, um, I, I can see that. I can see that.
1: Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's going to be another one where Ace and O'Banner are just going to have to play. Really well, and I think you say they have to play the perfect game, but that's kind of cliche because Arkansas is going to have to play the perfect game in order you to see, beat them. They, they have all the momentum, them. exactly. So, yeah, I liked your pick of Oral Roberts, but I'm not sure. I, I'm gonna, uh, I think Arkansas is going to win. I think Arkansas is going to win. I Arkansas, want, Oral. Nice. I think, I, I think the Razorbacks
0: are going to win. I want Oral Roberts to win. That's good, that's fair. That's fair. I'll definitely, yeah. I mean. I have this next upcoming one is exactly where I'm going to stand on that 11 Syracuse versus 2 Houston Saturday at 9:55 um I want Syracuse to win I feel like Houston might win though and end um the I Syracuse has all the momentum right now they've been playing out of their minds um Houston's just such a deep team. They're such a great rebounding team. I feel like they might overpower uh, Syracuse a ton. Quentin Grimes is a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Buddy Dave. Ba- they've, they've also been aided by Buddy Bayheim's ridiculous scoring games too. And if he's not completely on, you know, they probably don't win this past game. The um and make it to the Sweet Sixteen. So I think that this is going to be a really another really good game. Um. That could go either way. It's going to come down to the wire, but I feel like Houston might be might be too much. Samson's squad is tough. They're gritty. Um, they're you know they they had a close one with Rutgers, and there was no reason it should have been a close one with Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers has been a very inconsistent team all season long, but Rutgers came out to play. And I would love to see Syracuse win, but I just, something's telling me that Houston's probably going to win this game.
1: Yeah. I think, I think you're on to something there. I do think Rutgers should have beat Houston though. They had it right in their hands and they, and they, uh, they would, they let it slip away, but credit Houston for grinding, like you said, and, and coming back and clawing all the way back into the game, playing until the final buzzer. Um, but yeah, Houston's could potentially play like all double-digit seeds in route to the Final Four, which would be, uh, that, crazy. Which would be crazy. It already comes into question, uh, or people have already came into question about like you know how good they were in the first place. You know, the American wasn't that great of a conference this year, guys. It, I mean, it wasn't wow. that impressive. Um, but you know, they have the one thing about Houston is. If they're playing a bad team or a lesser team, they, they will kick the shit out of them. They'll beat them by 20 plus, they'll beat them by 30. Uh so I but I mean Syracuse, I they're not a bad team. They're not a team I expected to be this far, but they're like you like you said, Buddy Boeheim is playing out of his mind. It's like flow chart for Syracuse offense, real quick. It's like, is your name Buddy Bayheim Uh yes, then shoot, no, then pass the ball. Uh exactly. or like That's
0: clearly what it is. Yeah,
1: Gerard has been playing really well uh, for them. Uh, yeah, he's for, great. For he's Syracuse. Great and it's just really hard to adjust to that 2-3 zone. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, we just saw the Syracuse upset uh, Huggy Bear and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, Huggins hasn't beat Jim Beheim since 2008.
0: Uh, really? I, know. Yeah. I didn't even see I mean, that. That's, that's pretty amazing. I'm not surprised, though, because they never can beat them. Yeah, right. And so it's just... It's
1: it's just different. I think you compare Syracuse with that two three zone being hard to match up with with Loyola and what they do defensively. Like it's all about matchups. It's all about uh, how much time do you have to give your team a look because in these tournament settings, it's not a lot. You're gonna get an hour on the court, and then you know you have what I guess okay going in to the Sweet Sixteen. You're gonna have you know these extra four days, but in this first weekend setting it's a lot harder to make those adjustments and then next week going from uh sweet 16 to elite 8 it's going to be that same thing
0: yeah no i i completely i completely agree with that and it's it's going to be it's just going to be interesting to see and it's going to be um it's going to be a tough battle i think like you know you don't know what kind of syracuse team you're going to get and you now it's been they barely made it to the tournament i think that they have a good sneaky team but they're not necessarily built for a for a t- tough powerhouse like Houston's been all season. You know, the like you said, the American has not been a good conference. They're really we're the only dominant team in the conference. You know, UConn left the conference and went to the Big East. And you know, Dayton obviously took a big fall off when Obi Toppin left and that conference isn't isn't what it used to isn't what it was last year. Um but they they rolled through it and this is gonna be an interesting game. Could go a variety of ways, but you know, I would definitely, I would definitely see it go go Houston's way. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna that's gonna conclude it. That's gonna wrap it up for tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone who tuned into to the review and preview network to watch another episode of the three and D, and to all those listening via podcast, YouTube, etc. I also like to I also want to thank and Andy Hopper. Of the brew party for hopping on and joining this week's episode. See what you, did on. There. you see what I did there. I god, did
1: it god damn it, Are Paul. You? I'm just kidding.
0: You're not the only one. There. Thank <laughs> you so
1: much for having me. Check out the brew party uh, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can just go to www.thebrewparty.com. Our latest episode with uh, Dion Thomas uh is out now, or you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash the brew party, or uh, on Facebook at the brew party podcast, on Twitter and Instagram. At the brew party, a lot of good guests, talk sports, drink beers, give gambling picks. Uh, just have a good time. Shoot the shit. Paul's been a guest. Uh, almost all the reviews you review guys have. So super excited about this collaboration. Paul, thank you so much
0: for having me, man. Of course. Anytime. You can go check out the brew party. Great stuff. Great friends of the program. Uh, the Deion Thomas episode was uh, awesome. I checked it out. Everyone else has to go check it out. So they, So, you know. We had a great time tonight, and you know, thanks again, Andy, and uh, have a great night, everyone. Thank you.